Well, happy Father's Day from me. Um, this morning's message, about 90% of it is for everyone, and then there'll be 10% on the end for the dads. Uh, we live in interesting times. Uh, I don't know uh, what you've noticed, but it's pretty hard not to miss in the media the focus on uh, exposing people who abuse power. Um, this seems to be one of the big movements of our times. I mean, you have uh, the U2 uh, movement, uh, you've got Jeffrey Epstein, Bill Cosby. There's uh, such a huge kind of highlight on domestic violence and so on. Uh, people who abuse power, who use it to their own advantage, get outed. That's kind of what happens in our culture. Um, when I did some research a number of years ago, ac- academically, the, um, I had to write a whole ethics proposal for my research because I was working with people. And one of the key concerns in the ethics proposal was... Uh, the power imbalance between me as a lead pastor in a church with congregational members. Uh, Detailed plans had to be put in place for how I was going to negate that, and that was good and right to do. Um, The reality is, folks, isn't it, that uh, wherever humanity has power, there's a tendency for humanity to abuse the power that they have. Um, And in the process, we sin against others and we we abuse other people when humanity does that um now while most most of the um abuse of power we see is perpetrated by men it's not actually unique to men um it's what sinful people do when they have power Uh, not that long ago i read an article it's a fascinating article because i'd never ever thought about it before i read an article by a um a really solid christian lady and she she said that uh, most of the attention in domestic violence, quite rightly, goes toward the man because the man is a stronger party um, in, in the relationship, uh, even just physically, and so they're going to be the one that abuses power the most. But she actually made the comment, she goes, if you go to a place where women have the power, you'll actually see them abusing power as well. And she actually brought up um, parenthood and being a mother, that sometimes mums can actually abuse the power that they have and, and all she was doing, I mean, it, it probably sounds controversial to you uh, and it sounded controversial to me, but all she was really doing was pointing out that humanity has a problem with power. We have a problem with strength and the abuse of it. Um, and it leaves us asking the question, what do you do with it? What do you do with uh, power and strength? Because one possible reaction to it is like, let's just not have it. <laughs> let's... Let's just avoid it. Let's avoid power and strength. But if, if you go right back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, what you actually see in Genesis chapter 1 in the creation of the world is that God is very powerful and he's very, very strong. And in his power and his strength, he exercises his dominion over the chaos. In Genesis 1 verse 2, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. He exercises his dominion his power, his strength over it. And what happens? A whole bunch of flourishing, a whole bunch of goodness. And God said, and it was so, and it was good, always. And then at the end of chapter one, God says to humanity, he creates humanity, he says, now you go and be a mini-me. Have dominion, exercise power and strength over the created world and bring about good. But... We all, well, most of us probably know the story before long sin comes into the world and the exercise of strength and power becomes quite a mess. 
Uh, and we see with Adam and Eve that no longer are they using their power and their strength to bring dominion over the created order. They're using it to get dominion over each other. And it gets weird. And, you know, we can get to the point where we go, if power and strength are the problem, then maybe we should avoid them. Um, maybe we shouldn't talk about them at all. But this would be a problem. Why? Because at the very least, you actually need to use power and strength to stop people who abuse others with power and strength. Right? Yeah, we could ask this question. Um, well, let me ask a few. And uh, just for you to think about. Is power and strength good? Should we strive for it? Should, it? should it be our aim to be a strong, powerful people? And I want to say to you, emphatically, yes. Yes, we should. We should. We totally should. Strong, powerful people are exactly what the world needs right now. Not weak people who give way. So today on Father's Day, I want to talk to everyone about the situation we find ourselves in, the importance of power and strength, and then finish with some specific application of fathers. And I want to centre our thoughts today on Ephesians chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, you can flip that open, open up an app on your phone. We'll be reading from the ESV. We're going to go to Ephesians 6 verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand firm. Here's the first thing I want to say this morning. There's more going on around you than meets the eye. You see, you and I, sometimes we get into this routine where we think life is about going to work, uh, the world's about planning your holidays, eating dinner, getting a good night's sleep, getting a raise, buying that new car, having a happy, peaceful life. And sometimes that's true. <laughs> but what Paul's telling you here is there's a whole backstory going on. And the backstory is actually the big story. That's what it is. What does he say? There are, the devil is scheming. There are powers that are out to get you. There's more going on than meets the eye. Folks, you are not living on a cruise ship. <laughs> You're living in a war zone. That's where you live, in a war zone. Now, if you're watching a war movie... And there's no man's land, which was kind of between the two opposing trenches. They talked about that in World War One. And some idiot you see come out of the left of screen and walks on and he's got a camp chair and an iPod, sorry, an iPad, I should say, and, and a cold drink. And he walks right out in the middle of no man's land and sits down in his chair, starts drinking his drink, and watching a video on his iPad, what would you think? 
what is this idiot doing? Does he not know where he is? He's got no clue where he is. He's got no clue what he's just walked into. He's just about to be dead. That's what's going to happen. And folks, I want to say to you, you have to know where you are and what's happening around you. And and it's not just about having a happy life and having a cruise ship kind of experience. That, That is not the place that God's called you to and that is not what's going on. It's a war zone. There's more going on than meets the eye. Number two, there are hostile forces. I want you to have a look there, verse 11 and 12. The schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Verse 11 starts with this idea of armour, this idea of a soldier, and then it's almost like you've got some kind of hand-to-hand combat in verse 12. Now we're wrestling. Now it's actually really, really close. And I bet, I bet that there are some amongst you today that feel the closeness and the heat of hand-to-hand combat at the moment. And it's important to note too in verse 11 there, actually verse 12, um, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I want you to hear this, your main fight is not against people. Your main fight is not against people. It isn't about flesh and blood. I remember hearing uh, Tim Keller talk years ago about a uh, psychologist guy that he read. He used this illustration. He said the way that the devil works is like tuning a piano with a tuning fork. When the string is in tune, you can hit the tuning fork and the string will vibrate with the tuning fork. What does the devil do with us? He just comes up and he hits the right note and makes the right thing resonate inside of us. You know, you, uh, you might have heard people talk about how temptations come from the world, the flesh and the devil. Well, I think all of those three are present in every temptation. The devil's in on all of them. And I want you to hear this, and specifically dads, I want you to hear this. The devil is out to get you. And your people. That's what he's out for. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about anyone else. He's out to get God. In the beginning, the devil was an angel. He turned and wanted to be in the center, but he never could be because God's the only one who could ever be in the center. And scripture tells us that when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. You live in a world where there's a third of the angels and the devil and they're out to get you. They're out to get God's people. They're out to make a mess of humanity. They're opposed to us and they're opposed to gospel work. You feel that? You know, Paul here in uh, verse 11 talks about the schemes. Another word is the wiles of the devil. The devil is sneaky. (laughs) The devil is sneaky. And if there's people around you that you love, you just better expect that he's going to be sneaky and trying to get to them. He's going to be sneaky and trying to get to you. I mean, we find out in chapter 4 of Ephesians that one of the ways that the devil actually gets in is through division and anger. 
But it's not just that. The devil actually works in behind the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He uses human structures and institutions. And this is a powerful, a powerful force. I mean, we just, we just need to be aware of the fact that there are some significant spiritual forces arrayed against us. And you need to know that the real essence of all of this sitting in behind it is spiritual. It's a spiritual attack. This leads me to the next point. <laughs> Native strength is not enough. I want you to hear me this morning. This is a fight to the death. That's what it is. It is a fight to the death. And you don't have what it takes to win it in yourself. Your natural resources simply will not be enough. Paul makes it clear here that you need two things. You need God's strength and God's armour. Now Paul's been on about God's strength um, at different points through Ephesians. You go back to his prayer in Ephesians 3. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Who'd like some more power today? Yeah? Ephesians 1. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Just a simple one here. Do you pray for God's power? Do you? Get up in the morning. And go, I'm in a war zone. It's not just going to take some fancy footwork to get through this minefield today. It's actually going to take some serious power. And I want to say to you that if you, if you don't, I suggest to you that you probably should ask him for it. Paul does. God, make me strong today. Give me power. And there's this great uh, section in Samuel where David strengthens himself in God. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him, killing him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know what this is like. I'm sure that if you follow Jesus for a while, you've had those moments where you just go, I've just got to get with Jesus and I've just got to, I've got to get some strength from him because I'm going to have to get back into that thing and uh, I'm not doing too well right now. You know, you, you know what it's like when you have to steal yourself in God. Native strength is not enough. Number four, you need Jesus. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 11 and 13. Put on the whole armour of God. Verse 13, take up the whole armour of God. Here's the reality. The victory is secured, but you've got to win it through battle. And I want to say to you that uh, the armour is not just for defence. <laughs> right? it's, actually, it's actually for offence. We get after it. Now, I preached through Ephesians a number of years ago. And uh, you're welcome to go and look that up. Because we actually took a fair bit of time working through what the armour of God is. Uh, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. It's a pretty good ensemble. Um, but what I uh, explained... Uh, a few years ago, is that these are not just independent realities. These are, these are Jesus. Each of these are actually Jesus. You know, the armour of God isn't mainly a thing. 
It's mainly a person. We are to put on Jesus, to be close to him, to get power and strength from him and be armoured by him. I remember when I was a young kid being freaked out about the thought that there was all these, I just had it in my head that there was all these crazy demons just scooting around the outside of the house, couldn't go to sleep at night. I remember telling my mum and dad about They said, listen, you're with Jesus, you'll be all right. They can't beat you. And this is kind of the essence of what it means to stay really close to Jesus and to be clothed in Jesus and be united to him. It's like, they can't beat you. It's like, good luck with that. It's not going to happen. Even though they uh, can buffet us, they, they don't constitute an actual mortal threat to us. Because when we're connected to Jesus, we're one of his and we avail ourselves of his resources in the moment. Number five, stand your ground. Now, I want you to notice something in the text today. Um, so verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And once you've done everything, what do you do? You stand. You have to be strong. You have to be strong. Uh, When you've prepared and you've done everything that you can do, what do you do? Well, you stand. You hold your ground. You hear that? You don't give way. You know, getting close to Jesus, asking for strength, use the word, use your faith, use the gospel. But I'll tell you something, there is a side to it all. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. There is a side to it all where you say, you just have to say, you grit your teeth and you say, this far and no further. This far and no further. There's a grit at the end, right? where you go, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand strong. There's there's a point at which when everything has gone wrong, you say, I'm going to hold the line. I'm going to hold it. When it's at its worst, you hold the line and you remember, we do play defense sometimes, but we're mainly on offense. (laughs) And the next Taking of ground for God and his kingdom only comes when you actually hold the peace that you got. So don't give in. Don't be tempted to give way. You know, a Roman centurion had to be the kind of man who, would be relied, who could be relied upon when hard-pressed to stand fast and to not give way. Folks, I want to encourage you this morning. This is for everyone. Be strong. You don't have to overpower people, but you need to be a powerful person. God would have you to be a powerful person that would bring goodness around you. Let me close with a word to the dads. Dads, God made you to be strong. 
1 Corinthians 16, 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. God made you strong physically and he made you strong internally. And like God did in the beginning, your job is to use your strength and your power to bring about peace, order and flourishing around the place, in the family. Dad, your strength is not meant to be used for your own sake and it's not meant to be out of control. Dad, you are not meant to be a risk to your wife or your children and you aren't called to be absent either from your family. You've been made strong for a purpose and it's not mainly about you. It's mainly about God and others. So be strong. Don't let, don't run away from being strong because you see the abuse of it all over the place. Don't, don't be any of those guys. The world does not need any more of those kind of people. You know, the um, Aristotle uh, quite famously once said that an ox, a trained ox is meek. A trained ox is um, very powerful. Has its power under control. Has its strength under control. Dads, the problem is not strength. It's not power. It's the fact that it is not under control. Who knows the world does not need another strong guy who is out of control? Who knows that? We don't need any more of those. And as a side note, I want to say, wives, uh, if your husband gets out of control and he uses his strength badly, I want you to know that you can always come and talk to one of the elders, to me, to one of the pastors, and we will do what we can to help you and help him. Because we don't want that happening. Here's the second thing, Dad. The first thing was God made you strong. Second thing is, I want you to hear me on this, Dads. You are the last line of defence for the family. And I'm saying this to every dad. This is not just for the ones that have the kids left at home. You are the last line of defence for the family. And dads, you better believe the devil is coming for your kids and for your wife. He's coming for you too, but he's coming for them. Whether you know it or not, your family is on the line. Of course the devil would want to take them down. But the good news for the family is that God's put a dad in there. Who's the last line of defence? The anchor in the tug of war. You know, the statement I made earlier about this far and no further is a statement for dads. They're the ones at the end when everyone else in the family is losing their minds. They're the ones that don't lose their minds. They're the ones that stand there and they take whatever hit they need, to, they need to take to hold the ground that the family's on. Dads, you need to offer up ongoing, committed, passionate prayers for your family. And I'm sorry if, you, uh, if you're over 50 and you think that's done. That is not done. Doesn't matter where your kids are. You need to be praying and backing them in prayer. Pray for your grandkids. Dad, you're the one who needs to seek the Lord for a word for your family. 
You think like that? You pray to him and say, God, is there a word? Is there a word of encouragement? Is there a timely word for some of the members of my family? Seek the Lord for that. And here's a reality, dads. I mean, you just, I'm sure most of you feel this, but I'm just, just going to say it anyway. You are responsible for what goes on in your family. You aren't the cause of everything that goes on in your family, but you're responsible for what goes on in your family. If your family or your wife, your children are running aground, it's your responsibility. Do something about it. Don't go in there like an uncontrolled person and just hurt people. You probably just need to start on your knees and start praying. Seek the Lord about what to do. Get some wisdom on that. When the family DNA is all wrong, it's your responsibility, dads. When you're in the family unit at home and then all of a sudden people start sinning publicly and some of you know what I'm talking about. It's your responsibility, dads. Don't tap out. I'm not saying that other people aren't responsible for what they do. I'm just saying that you're the anchor, dads. That's how it's meant to be. You're meant to be the last man standing. And do you know what? I think you'd do a great job. It's an important job, but you'll do a great job. I'm done. Um, but the last thing I'd like to do is just um, is, is pray, for, uh, pray for the dads. Is that okay? So uh, if you're a dad... Uh, you just need to stand up and um, just have to pray for you. Let's pray. God, there is uh, more going on than the eye can see. And this, uh, this battle, it's an important battle. It is a fight to the death and um, there's not one dad standing now who has what it takes to get it done the way that you want it to be done. But if they love you, if they're joined to you, they have all of your resources at their disposal and they are just going to smash it. So God, I pray for them. I pray that you would stir them up. Stir them up. Get them back on their knees if they've stopped praying. Get them seeking you for what is necessary, what is needed for their family or their, their family's families. God, be serious about this stuff. God, to... Uh, be men who are encouragers, supporters and backers of people that, um, that express their power and their strength in supportive, helpful, blessing kinds of ways. God, would, would you help these, these men standing now to be the lead people in their households who are getting close to Jesus, plugging into his strength, into the word, praying, applying the gospel, the goodness of what you did on the cross into, into their lives first so that the, uh, the fruit of that flows to those around them. God, would you bless them? We appreciate, we appreciate what they do, God. And um, bless them as they do it. I pray that today they just have a great day. They um, see the value of their role uh, today. Amen.